0: Shrebshire is going to bring the word of God. I know how much time he has poured into preparing for this. As you know, the Shropshires are a family that we have sent as a church uh, to Senegal, and they are currently serving there. And we are so glad to have them here, if only for a few months. Unfortunately, their time is soon coming to an end, and so we have a little under a month to enjoy them here at Trinity. And so we have asked TJ, we've invited TJ to come and uh, preach the word for us this morning. TJ, would you please come here? I would love to pray for you. And uh, we are so thankful for you guys. We're thankful for your ministry in Senegal. And thank you for being part of this local church. So, Church, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this man and for his family, Lord, that you have called to serve you elsewhere. Father, we thank you uh, for the fact that he is preaching, not his own thoughts, Father, but he's preaching from your word. I am so thankful for the time that he has invested, Lord, in preparing for this message. And I pray, Father, that you would give us a heart that is quick to listen, that you would give us ears, Lord, to hear your word and to apply it into our hearts. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Preacher, brother. Amen.
1: (laughs) Hey, good morning, everybody. And welcome. Thank you to um, uh, Justin and Christian. They've both preached my sermon already, so this will be the, the the third time you'll hear it today. So um, this morning, my my sermon's titled "With," and we've already been talking about that membership, being with each other, communion, being with each other, and all that's meant to be. So this is going to just be like an addition onto that. So. Praise the Lord for that. Like Christian said, um, I'm a missionary in West Africa, Senegal, West Africa, and we've been there since 2015. And um, me and my family, which you guys have probably seen, I have a wife and three beautiful daughters. My wife is also beautiful. (laughs) Uh, We've dedicated our lives to seeing um, an unreached people group reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we were sent out by Trinity Community Church in 2015, and we've been there ever since. Um, I'm just going to... I know we've been doing a lot of praying. Can you guys just pray with me right now that we'll be listening to the word? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to, to bring a, a word of encouragement about what you have already shown us, a reminder of your truth in the gospel. Um, I pray also that uh, whatever I have to say that is you know, human wisdom would be eclipsed and forgotten by your truth. Amen. Okay, so let's, you know, I, guys, honestly, this, this whole dichotomy, um, I've never preached without using my, my written word, right? And um, and now I have this, and I've got like all these notes with the scripture in it. But I can't do it. Like we're in a people group where they don't have this; they don't have access to this. And so, like I have even more of a uh, appreciation for the ability to just pick up God's word and and read it for myself in my own language. There's only like a handful of people that know. My people group's language enough to be able to decipher words written down. So there's some weight there for me in that. So I'm I'm gonna use my real Bible. Feel free to use yours as we go through this. And um, yeah, so let's let's get into it. My first thing I want to say is I have a question for you. Please really focus in on this question: Who are you with? Who are you with? Okay? I'd be okay if you dwelt on that question for the entirety of next week and came back to church next week with even more um, ideas about what that means. But let's, let's ask ourselves that question. Who are we with? This morning, my family and I choose to be with you. We choose to be with you out of obedience to God's word. Um, like the Bible instructs us in the passage we're going to read. But also we choose to be with you because we have been without you. We have seen the suffering and lack when we're not connected on a regular basis to the body of Christ because of where we live. We have seen how not being surrounded by a body of believers who have the Holy Spirit affects us. So it was cool that I was given the opportunity to preach specifically about, you know, gathering together. Um, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 is our passage this morning. And I was asked to preach this specifically because of my perspective, um, having been without the body. That gives me a little bit of a unique perspective, and um, I'm hoping to share that with you guys today, especially here in the United States, where like there's a there's a church on almost every corner, and that it just is. It's not the same. So, let's let's look at God's word. Right. Let's look at Hebrews ten twenty three through twenty five. Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25 reads, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I have three points for for you guys this morning. But before we get into that, um, let's run to Scripture to bring context to the rest of Scripture. It would be really easy to just look at this and get a couple ideas about what it means um, through our experiences in in church and what we've heard before. But I want to encourage you to always run to Scripture, look at who God is, to determine for you how we're going to be interpreting, how we're going to be understanding these verses, Uh, One thing that popped into my mind almost right away when I was looking at these three verses was how it it gives us a picture of God and others, right? And uh, Matthew 22 is what came to mind. In Matthew 2, or 22... Jesus was approached by some lawyers and they tried to trick him by asking him what the greatest commandment was. But Jesus answered with something that blew him out of the water, of course, as always. So look at verse 37 through 40 and let's read that, okay? And that should set the stage for us this morning. It says in verse 37, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. How incredible. How incredible. All of scripture hangs on two commandments. To love the Lord your God Wholly, entirely, and to love others in that same way. Let's get into some more of that thought. All right. My first point is Christ with us. Verse twenty-three says, "Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." Now, let me ask you guys something else. Do you have hope? Do you have hope in your life? Is there people here who are finding that hope is fading in their life? In your life, is hope fading for you? Let's run always to scripture as we look at what has been said in the book of Hebrews. Though we don't get the luxury of having been taught all the way through the book, uh, and then arrived here at Hebrews 10.23, that would be ideal, um, we do get the opportunity of having God's Word and go back and read Hebrews, because I hope this inspires you to read Hebrews, because Hebrews is an incredible, encouraging book designed to bolster our faith, build us up, remind us of our, our fir- firm foundation, Let me just give you a real quick context of the book of Hebrews, okay? And then we'll we'll continue on. It's a book written to Jewish believers in the first century who had experienced many trials um, and who were starting to waver in their commitment to the way. Um, maybe even some of them were wanting to return back to uh, former Jewish practices um, because they were more familiar, not so much persecution. And also because they were community-oriented people. Like, we are in the United States. We're not this way. But they were. Um, their life was in, like, held together in community, in family. And, and that was really difficult. It's also um, a book all about Jesus. It's full of strong encouragements to continue on in faith, And the whole book leading up to chapter 10 is Jesus, okay? It's about the person of Jesus. And these are some of the things that were written in Hebrews about Jesus. Jesus has the name above all names. Jesus is the author of salvation. Jesus is the destroyer of death. Jesus is a faithful son. Jesus is the eternal high priest. Jesus is the steadfast anchor for our souls. Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant. Jesus is the mediator at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is seated presently on high. (laughs) Verses 23 through 25 come right on the heels of that. They come right after all this powerful proclaiming of who Jesus is. And what does the author of Hebrews do with that powerful proclamation? A resounding, unmovable, hold fast. Hold fast to Jesus. He is our hope. He is faithful. Jesus is not just our hope, um, but he is the hope. Okay, He's not just something we can hope in. He is hope. Adam's hope, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, the first guy to sin, right? His hope is our hope. Adam's hope was the restored fellowship with God that had been lost and broken. God promised Adam and Eve in the Garden, way back there, someone would come to set things right. And Adam's hope was not, okay, then I'll have access to good food again. It was, okay, then we're going to be together again. The patriarch's hope was our hope, is, is our hope. Later on in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, uh, while it's talking about the people who had put their faith in God, while it's talking about Abraham, it, said, it says, he was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. He was looking to dwell with God. With. Are you noticing the theme of with? Good. And what is our hope? Our hope is Christ. Just like the rest of them. Our hope is Christ. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Adam's hope is our hope. Abraham's hope is our hope. Our hope is Christ. I mentioned earlier that we need to look to Jesus. We must always look to who God is to know what we should be doing. I'm going to say that again. We must always look To who God is, how he's acting, how he acted, to know what we should be doing. The churchy way of saying that is from theology flows doctrine. That's why theology is so important. You need to know who God is. The more you know who God is, the more you understand about how he made us and how he made us, how we interact. Not just with him, that's the most important part, but also with each other. So let's take a step back and we'll look a little bit at who God is. Okay, you ready? Let's take a journey. Let's take a journey. Um, And hopefully that'll help us bring some context to these three verses. The first place I want to take you is the creation of man. The very beginning the very beginning, the creation of man, Okay, back in the Garden of Eden. And I'm a missionary um, that we're tasked with bringing foundational Bible teaching um, to people who have no foundation for who God is. And I tell you what, the emphasis on the Garden of Eden and what happened there is so incredibly important for understanding how great God made everything and who he is and how far we have fallen and if you just kind of like glaze over that like a kid's story about the garden of eden that whole foundation is lost for the for the reason for everything so let's always (laughs) learn something here so um we're going to go to genesis 1 verse 26 okay the very first chapter of the bible is the first mention first clue to what we're looking for today Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Did you hear that? Let us make man in our image. That's a tricky part right there. God's not schizophrenic. Um, he's referring to the three persons in the Trinity. He's talking to himself, the three persons. And it's, and it's the first mention of when he created man. And what did he say? In our likeness, in our image, after our likeness. There's two important points that I want to bring out from this verse. Number one, God himself is relational in his nature. Okay. At his very core, God is relational. He's connected with. Even if it's super unclear about how that works, trust me, I don't have a handle on it. (laughs) I have some good ideas, but I'm just a man. In any case, we have all eternity to learn about that. (laughs) The second thing um, that I want to bring out is that we were created to be relational in that, same, in that same likeness. We were created to be relational the way God is relational. So at our very core, being together with others was there from the start. We do not need other people because we're weak. That's a pretty big lie. We do not need other people because we're weak. We need other people because we were created to need other people. Okay? Initially, that, that connection to be with was that with God, right? Initially, that was the connection, created to be with. It wouldn't make any sense for God to create man to have a relationship with him, but at his core, man really didn't need relationship with God. That doesn't make any sense. God made us in his likeness, and that's one thing that we share with him is that relational aspect. So God is spirit, and we have an internal um, programming to be connected spiritually with God. Also with each other. And people are both body and spirit. So there's a, there's a cool picture of a couple things going on here, but there's a lot of relationship, all right? That's why when you have a relationship with someone, like not just knowing who someone is, when you are in relationship with someone, there's a little taste of the heavenly there. So now let us take a look at Jesus, okay? He was God incarnate perfectly God, and perfectly human. His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. Maybe we all have a good idea of who Jesus was. Okay, but let's look again. Let's look again at Jesus. Turn with me to John 17. And we'll start in verse 20. Okay. In John 17, we see Jesus talking to the Father, pouring out his heart. Jesus is praying the high priestly prayer after having eaten the Last Supper. They eat the Last Supper. Jesus knows what's coming, right? And on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the Gospel of John records some pretty incredible things that Jesus was talking to them about on the way. Which, I don't know if, how is that even possible that Jesus was able to communicate effectively while knowing he was going to be betrayed by these very, you know, these men? They they would abandon him. So much love. But just look with me. He's on the way to the garden. He's teaching them a lot of really cool stuff, really profound things. Then, he just starts praying. He just starts talking to the Father. And we're going to pick up on the tail end of his prayer. And we're going to get a glimpse a little bit about where Jesus' heart was. In verse 20 of John 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. before the foundations of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Wow. So much togetherness. It's so clear. To be with each other and with God was Jesus' deepest desire. And not only this, but his whole plan to reach out to the rest of the world flowed out of that togetherness. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus came to be with us. He was modeling for us the right way to be in relationship with God, like it was originally created to be, and with each other, the way we were created to be. You, you, I'm not going to just say you, Bobby, Caleb, Dad, my dad's here, guys. Tim, Mike, Josiah, Karen, all you guys. I don't know everyone's name. You are so important to God. You are so important to God. He desires you. It's so clear right here. Jesus is saying he desires that we be together. He has done everything necessary to overcome every obstacle that stands between you and him. Jesus came to be with us so that we could have relationship restored with him. From the fall until Jesus everyone who placed their faith in God was looking forward to Jesus. Everyone who has come after Jesus, who is placing their faith in God, is looking back to Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) He is our foundation of hope. He is the hope. He is the guarantee that we will be together again. Jesus' heart is God's heart to be one again. That glory of being with God was Jesus' main play. That was his main gig right there. He says that there is now given, he's now given that glory to us. And what's more, we get to experience that same glory together right here. Amen. We get to experience the glory of restored relationship right here. because Christ is in you you can be with the father and though there is a noticeable not yet right there's it's very noticeable that there's a not yet in this okay i'm getting there we all of all people we are most blessed every human on earth has a natural desire to be connected with god in spirit Yet, the world lacks that connection. You see it around you. Every day, people are striving for connection. You see people calling out for it, but not knowing what name to call it. There's an intense desire in every human for that connection. But the world gets way out of whack and goes every single direction. And Jesus is saying, it's right, it's, it's right here, it's me. I'm the hope. I am the connection. Speaking of striving, let's go on to my next point. With each other. I have another question for you to ponder. What is stopping you from being with other believers? And now hold on, I don't mean here the Sunday. It might be coming to church, but also just being with other believers, in community with. What is stopping you from being with others? The first part. I mean, the verse 24 in the first part of 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Let me just say that Christians getting together has been a difficult topic since the dawn of the church. If you look back at all of the drama that has taken place, it's pretty depressing. And the current state of the church is not like better. You know, it's not getting better, the drama. It's still there. It's hard to imagine that these are the people Jesus is going to be with. It's really hard to imagine, sometimes almost impossible to swallow, that Jesus is saying, all those who are in me, who have put their faith in me, are part of this with thing. (laughs) If I opened up the floor, put this mic out here, and said, okay, no judgment, anyone who wants to come up and share something about how... um, Christians have hurt them, or a church has offended them, or snubbed them, come up here and tell the story. We would be here till next Sunday, no doubt, (laughs) without ceasing. I have experienced suffering from traumatic church experiences more than I would like and i will not defend any of those institutions or people who have mistreated the people of god i'm not here that's not what this sermon's about it's not about like saying well they were in authority over you and so it's better for you that way no no there's there's a not yet aspect to the witness But let's put into practice what we see in Scripture, huh? What do we see flowing from God's nature? What did God do when he confronted Adam and Eve with their sin? Did he just smite them? And say, oops, start over. No, he gave himself to them entirely. Right then and there, the plan of redemption was put in place. God could have said, failed attempt, like Thomas Edison and a light bulb, right? Whoops. <laughs> no, he sacrificed everything for them. He saw us as worth it. That relationship was worth it. That relationship was worth it. All the things over the thousands of years that have happened where God has been slowly bringing his plan of redemption into play, is worth it? Adam and Eve gave up that relationship for a bite of good fruit. But let's look at Jesus again, okay? Let's look at Jesus. Let's turn to John again in, in chapter 13. John 13, 34-35. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is showing us. Just as I have loved you. Jesus is saying, this is the way. Jesus gave himself fully to us. And were we deserving? Were we deserving? No. no we were not deserving. Have you guys ever taken a look at the disciples? Like, just... just put them in their categories. Okay. So we have some conservatives, some liberals, some swindlers, blue-collar workers, elitists, extremists, and some backstabbers and thieves. You'd be pretty lucky to find that diverse uh, group of people in a church today. We get pretty exclusive. And yet Jesus loved them, ate with them, was patient with them. He even allowed himself to be ridiculed. Look again at what he says of them in this prayer, in, in, in John 17. Look at it again. Uh, 23. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Jesus is saying that God the Father loves those sinful men. God the Father loves all of us sinful people, like he has loved his own son. Mm -hmm. Did you come up with any answers for my question about what is stopping you from being with other believers? I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's probably going to be in the realm of something where someone was unloving towards you. Or unworthy of you and your time and your relationship. But that's not the model we have in Scripture with Jesus. None of us were worthy. None of us are worthy. He is worthy. And because you all have him, you are worthy of relationship. So, who are you with? Let me switch gears here a little bit. I want to tell you about the people I'm learning to be with. It's not an easy learning to be with. I'll refer to them as the J people because we're live streaming this and recording it, and so I want to keep, um, keep them anonymous for right now. The J people. Let me help bring some context, okay? Where we are amongst the J people, there is no church. There are many mosques, and many Catholic churches. But for many, many miles, there are no groups of believers gathering together in the name of Jesus, showing love and encouragement for good works. Instead, there is fear. There is no hope. There is fear. The J people life is dominated by fear of spirits, death, sickness, where they're going to get their next meal, fear dominates life there. The Jay people are in complete darkness, a darkness that can actually be felt, like physically felt. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Growing up here in Brevard County, I didn't pay much attention to spiritual warfare, I didn't understand it, um, mostly because I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Um, When I went to Senegal, I was ignorant of how the enemy works, how he works there. The darkness could be felt right away. I noticed something was different. I think to some extent, the enemy works differently uh, depending on what part of the world you're in. And feel free to come talk to me about that later. Um, But just some some perspective of living in different places. I can see the enemy working differently. Getting to know my friends um, there has opened up my eyes to how much spiritual um, interaction or spiritual warfare uh, is actually going on that I was just ignorant of. Our enemy is out in the open in Senegal. He's out in the open. He's not hiding. He's not like, Slurp, what's the words? Slinking. He's not slinking around. Not slurping. I was going to say slurping. Slithering. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he kind of is, but like, he's out in the open. He's flexing his power over people, and they are trapped in fear. They are trapped in darkness. And you can feel it. There's no hope. But here, it's almost like we're swimmers at the beach. Um, we're out there splashing the waves. Someone says, shark, because they see a little gray thing in the water. It's probably a dolphin. But they say, shark. Everyone runs. I forgot to change that. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Someone says, shark, and everyone runs in, Right? Everyone runs in, and then how long? Like maybe five minutes, and everyone's back out again. There are sharks, but it's not like a real big deal. It's just life. So let me ask you a question. Should we be keeping our eyes out for demon possession? Should we be like looking around, trying to figure out where the demons are? What is our enemy's purpose? Could you guys tell me that? Do you know your enemy's purpose? The enemy of God. Destroy, steal, kill, deceive. Thank you, Cindy. Yes, Cindy wins. Um, We know that in the garden, he twisted God's word to cast doubt. And I don't think he's changed his strategy. If, if he can get our eyes off of the source of truth, the author of hope, then he can fill that gap with lies, his lies. Then fear and doubt will grow in that gap, creating like this cancerous thing that grows, creating more and more division between people, between you and God as well. Isn't that what he does to you? Lies of the enemy sound pretty good and they're hard to spot sometimes. If you don't hold them up to the light, you won't know the difference. And Jesus is our light. Hold them up to Jesus. If you're wondering if what you're believing is somehow not quite right, maybe it's a little bit twisted, hold it up to who Jesus is. Examine it with who his character says he is and what he did. If it doesn't line up, it's a lie of the enemy. Jesus is the light of the whole world. Our enemy is everywhere. Much more than we as Westerners could believe. Our independent hearts value that lone wolf ideal like James Bond or Bear Grylls. You know what I'm saying? Like, we think that is, like, strength. We forget that Jesus called us sheep. Jesus called us sheep. He did not call us lions, tigers, and bears. He called us sheep. I'm not going to preach a message about sheep, but you guys know what I'm talking about. I believe that anyone who's of the opinion that they just need Jesus and their Bible, both very good things, that they're set, they're good. Okay? They'll be just fine. And those people have never watched National Geographic specials. What happens when the one animal gets separated from the herd of other animals? Pride is a killer for us. Pride in this church, in my heart, is a killer. It makes us weak when we need others to be strong. We were not designed to be alone. I advise you not to focus too much on demons, or at all on (laughs) demons. Um, What they might be doing, or where they might be hiding. You don't need to be focusing on that. Why? Anyone have any guesses? Our focus is to be on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the scripture says. How foolish it would be to stand apart from the one way God has ordained to strengthen the believer this body. He's ordained it from the very beginning that witness, He's ordained that. Even more than that, he's ordained this to be the way in which we tear down the strongholds of the enemy. Amen? Amen. It's not just a good place to be. It's the place to be to see victory. It's the place to see God dwelling amongst us, bringing his love and power right here to us. And you look around and you're like, through these people? Yeah. Through these weak people with their failures and sins and, and all of their weaknesses. This is what he has ordained because he is so powerful. He can do that. Remember uh, the darkness I mentioned we were living in, right? Right? You realize how quick you realize real quick how dark things are when someone comes in with light. If you've ever been in a dark place and a light comes in you're like whoa. Your eyes have to adjust cuz you got you got like you were used to it. Pastor Tim and his wife Kim came to visit us in our dark location about 2 years ago. And let me tell you, we felt that. It's hard to find words to describe the encouragement that, that brought. Coming to be with us. To pray with us, to hear our struggles, to share what God was doing back here at this church. It's the first time we heard about Christian and Megan. I can tell you right now that a Zoom meeting would not have had the same effect. There's this refrain that every human heart has sung, right? I wish I could be with you. Everyone in this room has felt that. Everyone has had that heartache. I wish I could be with you. Whether it be a close friend, a member of your family, your spouse, your kids, like your heart feels it, right? But who could have guessed that, that people could be connected solely through the power of the Holy Spirit in that same way. The Apostle Paul lamented the same thing, that separation that he endured from those who he had previously come to faith in Jesus. What does he say? Um, he says, I long to be with you again. Uh, let me tell you, Lily and I, when we are not here, we long to be with you guys again. Face to, face to face with people who are light bearers, it's right here in this room. It's right here. Look around. Jesus is here. Put aside those weights so you can run this race together. You guys know what weights I'm talking about. Yeah, get radical. Change your schedule. Get radical, guys. Push for community group. Push for it. Meet someone to pray with them. Come to a prayer meeting early in the morning on Sunday. From fellowship flows God's love, and God's love is powerful to bring life. Follow Jesus' example. Empty yourself and your things. Empty yourself to be with others. He came to be with us. We cannot fathom how much he gave up to be with us. We can't. So what is stopping you from being with other believers? What's stopping you? My last point is with Christ. We've seen Christ with us. We've seen with each other. And my last point is with Christ. And the last half of Hebrews 10.25 makes quick mention of something, but it's actually super important. It says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me read verse 25 in its entirety. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Does the idea of being with Christ in heaven seem intangible? Maybe to some it doesn't. Maybe it feels like a fantasy sometimes. No doubt the distractions of this world make it feel far away, almost irrelevant sometimes. The busyness, uh, all the things. I don't know about you, but for me there was always a sense of fear surrounding the idea of Jesus coming back. Uh, For most of my young life, I lived in fear of Jesus' judgment. Like a harsh taskmaster who would be displeased with anything but perfection. I'm not getting that from these verses, are you? No. I don't see that in Jesus' prayer. I don't see that in the way he dealt with people's sin either. No, I think the day of the Lord is drawing closer, and that should inspire not fear, but hope Not fear of inadequacy as sons and daughters. What kind of father would that be? I'll tell you real quick what happened this past week and a half. Recently, our our close friends came from California to come just be with us. All right. They have uh, four daughters, all right around the same age as our daughters. When we picked them up at the airport, we were just so excited to see them. It was reunion, it was joy. How much more for a father and their child? If you are away from the one you love, your heart hurts, and you look forward to the day when you can be with them again. How I long to be with you, right? I got to watch firsthand as nope. I got to watch firsthand as my daughters jumped with joy at the reunion with their friends and then bawled their eyes out when they had to say goodbye. Separation was never the plan. Our Father designed us to be together with Him, together with each other. When the day of the Lord comes, those who are His children will be caught up with Him in great joy. I have no doubt about that. The judgment that will come which is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 3, will be for the works that we did not do in fellowship with him and with each other. Those things will be burned up, according to Paul, but not us. There is no fear of displeasure with Jesus. Make a note, listen, M- make a note to study 1 Corinthians 3. I'll wait, go ahead. 1 Corinthians 3, it will help you understand the role of the coming judgment for those who are in Christ. The band can come up now. I love seeing patterns in Scripture. And this pattern of relationship, the relationship-driven purpose, is even more important to me as I've been learning to live cross-culturally Relationship is so important. If you've heard us share um, about our ministry in Senegal, then you've probably heard us talk about sitting down with people, just sitting. Wow, for me as a Westerner, just sitting is fatiguing. I want to be doing, right? And their idea of witness is they pull up a chair and they just sit with you. This is one value in scripture that our J friends can connect with naturally as it is already how they value community. Maybe, maybe someday a Bible teacher from the J people will come teach us here (laughs) at Trinity about what it means to be with others. I will cry real tears of joy When I see the light of Jesus piercing the darkness and giving hope to men and women from our people group. Not fear, but hope. And I hope that day is soon. In the meantime, let us keep running back to the example Jesus gave us and the solid foundation He made for us to give us hope and each other. Let us grow in our power to be with. Because from our withness flows the Father's love and the testimony of Jesus, Jesus our hope. Jesus our hope. Who are you with?
0: Would you stand? Let's
1: pick up verse 2. Those he saves are his delight.